Welcome to Mark Connor's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au. Today, I'd like to share a simple verse with you as we begin from Romans 12, verse 11, the Apostle Paul writing. He says this, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Uh, In the Message Bible, it says this, don't burn out. Keep yourselves fully fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master. Maybe you're looking for a prophetic word today. There's one for you. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fully fueled and aflamed. Be alert servants of the master. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying as we carry out our purpose in life, and every one of you have a purpose. You weren't just saved to go to heaven. You were saved and called with a holy calling. So as you carry out your ministry, your work, your vocation, your contribution, as you're using your gifts, as you're serving the Lord, as you're following that purpose, don't lose your passion. In other words, it's one thing to serve the Lord. It's another thing to do so with a zeal, with a fire, with an enthusiasm on the inside. You know, this uh, little verse here in Romans 12 is in a list of a long series of advice that Paul gives these believers living in the ancient city of Rome. You know, lists are given to us to remind us of things that we often forget. Uh, Many years ago, my wife used to travel a lot and speak at conferences and women's events around Australia and around the world. And when she went away, she'd often leave me a list of things to remind me. And it'd be things like, hey, Natasha's got a party on Thursday. Drop her off here at this time and don't forget to pick her up. Um, You know, the rubbish goes out on Wednesday night, it's the yellow bin, you know, so she put things on the list to remind me of things that I could easily forget. She wouldn't put things on there like, don't forget to eat. (laughs) I'm going to eat. I don't need to be reminded. But she put things that I needed to be reminded of. And that's what Paul's doing here. You know, it's very easy to serve the Lord, to do our job, to get up in the morning, to make a contribution and lose the fire and passion that we may have once had. And so Paul says, don't lose that passion. Don't lose that fervency. The word fervency there means enthusiasm. It means zeal. It means excitement. You know, as we talk about passion today, passion isn't noise or personality. Um, We all have different ways of expressing passion. I used to have uh, someone on my leadership team who was very passionate and very exuberant. In fact, sometimes we'd be around a table planning some ministry for the future and the whole table would be shaking. And it's because his knee was going up and down. He was so excited about all the things we were going to be investing our time in. Uh, around the table is another lady named Coral. And uh, she also was very passionate, but she was very quiet. Her knee didn't shake. <laughs> the table didn't move. But she was very passionate about helping bring healing to hurting people. So my point is, uh, passion is not just about noise or personality. It's a fire on the inside that affects everything on the outside. You know, passion is so important. Uh, Studies have been done of top performers and they've discovered it's not so much your IQ, your intelligence, or even your talent that matters most in life. In fact, 75% of American presidents were in the lower half of their class. We won't comment on that. 50% of Fortune 500 CEOs average C- in school. And 50% of self-made millionaires have no college degree. What am I saying? Don't worry about your studies. No, no, no. (laughs) Studies are important. Education, intelligence are important. But often it's attitude and passion that's the deciding difference in how we do in life. 
A man named Robert Kriegel studied 500 top performers right across a range of areas in society. And here was his conclusion. No two were alike, but the one quality they had in common was passion. It was their drive, their enthusiasm, their desire that distinguished them. Passion kindles a spark that inspires you and others around you to greater heights. American writer William Ward once said, enthusiasm and persistence will make an average person superior, while lethargy and indifference can make a superior person average. What an outstanding thought. Uh, many years ago, I was in Malaysia speaking at a church there and I was just flipping through the local newspaper and they had an article on the highest paid Australians. This is probably about 15 years ago. And I was shocked at who was on the top of the list. It wasn't a movie star. It wasn't Nicole Kidman. It wasn't a pop star or a rock band. It wasn't a sports personality. Leighton Hewitt was playing some pretty good tennis in those days. You know who the highest paid Australian was at that time? It was Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter. I thought, wow, that's amazing. Steve Irwin, highest paid Australian. I thought, how's that? I mean, you know, he's a pretty smart guy, but I wouldn't say he's the most educated Australian. He definitely wasn't a model of occupational health and safety. But the one thing about Steve was he was passionate about crocodiles and anything else dangerous. Uh, it was his passion, his drive, his enthusiasm that caused him to be such an inspirational person to so many people around the world. You know, today, the thought I want to bring to you is passion like fire. It, it's not static. You know, if we had a match, you can light a match and uh, there's a flame there. And if you fuel that flame with some paper and some wood, you can get a pretty big fire going. But if you just leave the match still, eventually the flame dies and burns out. And all you've got are the embers, the ashes of a fire that once was. And, you know, passion is like that for each one of you and I. It's either growing or it's diminishing. And so in our time together today, I want to look at some passion killers, some things that will attack and destroy your passion, and then look at a few passion lighters, things that will fuel your passion as we look at the important area of keeping our passion alive. Number one, the first passion killer is something called complacency. Complacency means to become comfortable and settled and we become overly content with where we are, not really wanting any more in our life. If I mention the name Joshua, you'd probably think of a pretty passionate leader uh, as recorded in the Old Testament. Yeah, as Joshua got a little older, he got complacent. Look at Joshua 13 verses 1 to 2. When Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, you are now very old. <laughs> There's a nice encouraging word. Uh, but there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. This is the land that remains. If you go back to chapter 12 of Joshua, you'll see 31 kings that Joshua defeated. And so he's had some, amaz some amazing and some major achievements in his life. But as he got older, he actually became a little complacent. And God had to say, hey, Josh, there's more. There's more that I have for you to do. He was a pioneer who became a settler because of complacency. In contrast, his partner, Caleb, even at age 80, said, give me my mountain. He was still ready to take more territory for God. Proverbs 19, Proverbs 29, excuse me, verse 18 says, where there is no revelation or vision, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. 
And so revelation and vision comes from God and it gives us a sense of motivating cause, a reason to live for. So if not careful, we can lose that sense of vision and direction and purpose and just become a little complacent in our life. I love the story of Dr. Hedda Bolger. Uh, she's 102 and she was being interviewed and she said this uh, when someone said, how, how did you live so long? And she said, uh, I'm too busy to die. <laughs> I love that. I'm too busy today to die. Um, uh, Hedda Bolger is a mental health professional. And, you know, even at the age of 102, she still helps three days a week uh, with people dealing with mental health issues. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are, probably none of you listening today are as old as Dr. Hedda Bolger. So don't retire, refire. Don't allow complacency to destroy your passion. A second passion killer, something called difficult circumstances. Difficult circumstances come in all shapes and sizes, problems, obstacles, conflicts, disappointments, discouragement, criticism, loss, mistakes, failures. Uh, every one of us go through difficult circumstances. And during these times, it's hard to keep our passion alive. This has been a tough year for many, many people. Maybe you've lost a job or lost a loved one or had to totally rearrange your world because of this pandemic. Difficult circumstances are a bit like a wet blanket. They just come over us. And before we know it, we're, we're living, but our passion is not there. I love this promise in Isaiah 43 verses 1 to 3. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid for I have ransomed you. I've called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through fire, the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your savior. You know, it's an encouraging prophecy, but I don't like the word through. I wish it were uh, when you go around deep waters, or when you go over, when you go under. I, I don't like that word through, but God is a God of through. And uh, we're all going through a bunch of stuff right now. And maybe you've gone through some hard times this year, but God is the God of through. He brings us to the other side. You know, the three Hebrew children refused to bow to the idol Nebuchadnezzar had uh, set up and they were thrown into the fire. And, you know, they said, uh, you know, God is able to keep us from the fire. Uh, God will keep us from the fire. But even if not, we're, we're not going to bow down. And so they went into the fire. God didn't actually save them from the fire. But in the fire, there was a fourth person there with them. God was there with them in the fire and they came out of the fire on the other side. And there wasn't even the smell of smoke on them. Not here today to tell you you'll never go into the fire. I'm here, not here today to say you'll never have a, a difficult circumstance, but I'm here to tell you that even in the difficulty, God is there with you and God will bring you through the other side. And so we can keep our passion alive. A third passion killer is something called an unbalanced lifestyle. You know, um, quite a number of years ago, I went through what I call a, an emotional valley for about six months and uh, I didn't know quite what was happening. Took everything within me to kind of get through the next meeting, the next appointment. And I was more pleased when it was done than when it was happening. And so I wasn't sure what was going on. Was this uh, an attack of the enemy or a wilderness or a midlife crisis? But with some help of a coach and a counselor, I realized that I was experiencing adrenaline exhaustion. I'd been living at a pace that wasn't sustainable. I'd go off to India with a mission team for two weeks and we'd be 
doing big meetings at night and handing out sewing machines to widows during the day. And then uh, I'd come back on a Friday, preach five times on the weekend at my church and then jump on a plane on Monday and head to America. I was, I was on fire for God, but it was like my emotions and my body just kind of shut down and said, we refuse to live at this pace. So here's my theory. If the enemy can't destroy your passion through complacency or difficult circumstances, he'll push your passion to an extreme where you're living in such a way that you're endangering the very passion that you have. Acts 20 verse 28, I shared this with your leaders a while back. Paul says to the elders at Ephesus, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Notice the order. Keep watch over yourselves. Self-care is important. And particularly for leaders, we can be so busy helping and leading and serving others, we neglect ourselves. And so we need a theology of self-care. Remember going on an airplane before you take off, there's that safety spear we all give a lot of attention to. Somewhere um, oxygen masks will fall down if there's an emergency. Who do you put it on? You put it on yourself. I think if it was a Christian pilot, they'd say, put it on your neighbor. No, put it on yourself. You know why? Because if you're not breathing, you're of no use to anyone. And so sometimes the way we're living is unsustainable. We're living at a pace and we think we're passionate, but we're actually not keeping the Sabbath. We're not balancing activity with rest. We're not taking time for personal renewal and in neglecting ourselves. We can end up still serving God, but our passion, our fire and our enthusiasm has taken a bit of a hit. Uh, one more enemy, uh, one more passion killer, and there's many more. You think of some ones for yourself, but a fourth one is something called familiarity. Familiarity is where something that was once precious becomes common, where romance turns into routine. And it so easily happens, you know, maybe you're unemployed and if you've been unemployed, you, you know, you're applying and you're going to interviews and then eventually you get a job. I mean, how excited are you? You get up on Monday morning, it's good morning, Lord, and you're so excited, off you go. Well, what happens? Well, a few months later, a few years later, Monday morning, instead of good morning, Lord, it's good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> Same job, but you've lost the, the preciousness of that job. It happens in a marriage, you know, we have all the romantic feelings and the wedding day comes and we all, I, I do, and <laughs> before long it's I did and a bit of intense fellowship comes in and same person, same marriage, but the romance can turn to routine. It can happen with a child, your little baby's born, oh, it's so cute, and then it's wah, and it's nappy change time. How easy something that's precious can turn into something that's common, and we lose the specialness of it. And just through something called familiarity, our passion begins to die. And so these are just a few passion killers. Complacency, difficult circumstances, an unbalanced lifestyle, familiarity. These are some things I've had to, to deal with that I've found are enemies of my passion that will kill my passion. Uh, what are some of yours today? Do you, do you resonate with some of those? Or maybe there's a few others, but we all need to think what kills, what destroys my passion. If we're not aware of them, when we can't protect that fire of passion on the inside. And so what happens is these things come along and they kill our passion and we end up with something called apathy. Apathy is our pathos, no passion. And so we're kind of lukewarm, you know, serving God in such a way as not to offend the devil. Yeah, we still go to church. We're still a Christian, but there's a lukewarmness there. We're going through the motions without really living, without a passion or a fire on the inside. And so what can we do? Well, I want to share with you in our final few minutes some passion lighters, some things that will ignite your 
passion. Firstly is to use your spiritual gifts. You know, when you're using your spiritual gifts, it ignites a fire on the inside of you. Second Timothy 1 verse 6, Paul says to this young leader, fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands upon you. Fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you. You know, when you're using your gifts, you begin to fan that flame of passion. There's an interesting story in John chapter 4. Uh, Jesus is a little bit tired and it's been a hot day. He's been walking. He sits down by a well to rest and the disciples head into town to get some lunch. And while he's waiting there for lunch, there's this Samaritan woman. And you know the story. She uh, has a conversation with Jesus and he's crossing some boundaries here, both racial and gender barriers that uh, were up in that culture. But he reaches out to this woman and there's a bit of surface talk and they chat about worship and the history of the well and Father Jacob. But over time, Jesus discovers that he's a woman with a, a trail of broken relationships. She's been married five times and all of them ended in divorce. Now she's living with a guy that's not even her husband. And so Jesus, instead of condemning her and judging her, reaches deep into her soul and realizes that he is a woman who still hasn't found what she's looking for. And so through the conversation, her life is transformed and she heads back to the village to tell everyone about this man that she's just met. Now, then the disciples, they, they come back and they've got lunch and they said to Jesus, Rabbi, this is John 4, 34 um, and 33, Rabbi, uh, eat something, uh, have something to eat. And he says this, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. My food, my nourishment is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What's Jesus saying? Well, they left him tired. They left him hungry and they went off to get lunch. When they come back, Jesus is energized. Like, like he's, he's, he's pretty pumped. And, and they're going, well, what's happening? Is someone giving you lunch? He says, my food, my nourishment. Yes, I'm hungry. Yes, I'm tired physically. But I've just been able to have an encounter with a woman that's going to change her life and her family and her village in a deep and profound way, and it's nourished me on the inside. You know, when you're using your gifts to serve and to help others, it's like that. It kind of ignites that fire. A funny story, my second son, Ashley, he's a bit of the clown in the family. I remember picking him up from school when he was uh, a young kid. And uh, he got in the car and said, hey, Ash, how was school? He goes, yeah, good, good. I said, uh, hey, what's your favorite subject at the moment? Without hesitating, he goes, recess. <laughs> recess, I kind of laughed and thought, yeah, he's going to go far. What's he saying? He's saying when the bell goes, when it's recess, I get to go do what I want to do. That's my favorite part of school. You know, when you're using your gifts, it's a little bit like recess. You know, I love to speak. I love to encourage people. And so sometimes I'll do a lot of speaking in a week or at a weekend. I'll feel tired, but I'm energized. You know, even preparing this video right now, I'm encouraging myself because I'm using my gifts to hopefully bless and encourage you. And at the same time, I'm encouraging myself. And so what are your gifts? What are your talents? And when you use them, keeps your passion alive. Of course, the opposite is true. If you're doing something that you're not gifted, that you're not talented at, it probably discourages you. And so it's very important that you find out your spiritual gifts and use them for the benefit of others. It's a bit like a grace zone. There's a flow there. And so maybe an exercise for you this week is to look back over the week and say, what energized me? What drained me? If you could spend more time doing the things that energize you, then that passion is going to keep 
burning much longer and stronger. Uh, what drains you? Well, if things drain you, you can't avoid them all, but obviously that's not a strength for you. Thankfully, the things that drain us energize somebody else. So the more we can align our life to contribute in the area of our strengths, uh, the more fulfilled we'll be, the more joyful we'll be, the more effective we'll be, we'll be and of course our passion will stay alive. Uh, second passion lighter, firstly, is to use your spiritual gifts. Secondly, is to associate with passionate people. I love this uh, verse in Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And so the writer here says, make sure you don't neglect gathering together. Uh, you know, a church gathering online like this or in person, it's a bit of a firelighting event. We get with one another, we encourage one another, and we uh, urge our passion towards the things of God. You know, uh, unfortunately, today there are many Christians that no longer attend church. Uh, it's a trend right around the world. And, uh, you know, to me, it's a little bit like a, a fire of coals. If you have one charcoal uh, roll off to the side before long that that fire is going to go out but when you put all the coals together there's a synergy there's an energy that happens from all the coals being in proximity to each other i rarely hear of a follower of jesus isolate themselves away from other followers of jesus and their passion for god grow no no it tends to diminish but as we gather together in in our small groups or in church activities or in serving teams we encourage one another you know, the world has plenty of firelighters out there, firefighters out there, sorry, uh, raining on our parade, seeking to dampen our enthusiasm. That's why we need to gather and associate with people who encourage us in our passion for God. Another firelighter is to return to your first love. Uh, Revelations 2 has a message from Jesus to a church in Ephesus that had once been on fire with great passion and had a huge revival in Ephesus many years later now. The church is still there. They're still doing meetings. They've still got all their programs. But look what Jesus says to them in Revelations 2, 4 to 5. I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent. Turn around and do the things you did at first. Here's a church that was once serving with passion. They're still serving. But the passion, the first love is no longer there. You know, this can happen so easily uh, in a marriage, for instance. You know, as I mentioned, you can uh, easily get into that intense fellowship and suddenly there's a lot of tension in the marriage. And how, how do you kind of move from the routine of a married relationship back to the romance? Well, you, you, you go back and do the things you did at the beginning to win that person. You know, guys, it's, hey, you know, take your wife on a, a really nice date, you know, not to McDonald's, something a little Upper, upper end, you know, spend a little money, open the door, don't slam it on her heels, you know, but buy her some flowers and not just on her birthday. Well, all the things you did to woo, to draw that person into that love relationship, well, start to do those things that you did at the beginning and it'll start to rekindle those flames of romance. Uh, it's, it's the same in our relationship with God. You know, in those early days, we, we kind of fall in love with Jesus and his love for us, and it's so easy to lose our first love. There's a hymn that says, count your blessings, name them one by one. Not count your problems, count your blessings, name them one by one. It will surprise you what the Lord has done. 
So often we end up counting our problems and we lose the gratitude of what God has done for us. You know, when it comes to preaching, I've, I've preached and give, given sermons and messages like this probably hundreds, if not thousands of times. And one of the things I try to do is remember the first time. Remember, it was a Bible college chapel and I was nervous, but I felt I had something to share. Just remember the specialness, the privilege. What an honor to get up in front of people and open God's word and share a message that will hopefully inspire and possibly bring transformation to their life. And, you know, although I've spoken many, many, many times, I try to never forget what an honor, what a privilege to be able to share a message with people. And so approach every day, every task, every common experience that you may encounter with with, with a sense of zeal and, and specialness of what it was like the first time. Uh, so important that we not lose uh, the passion and specialness of the things that we do. And then number four, uh, my final thought is to pray for passion. Pray for passion. Uh, God is a fire lighting God. There's a story in 1 Kings 18 where there's this uh, encounter between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And they have this kind of big showdown, as it were. And you know the story, um, the prophets of Baal are cutting themselves and screaming out to God to kind of answer by fire and burn up the sacrifice and nothing happens. And Elijah's teasing them a bit. Maybe your God's out, you know, having a break on the toilet, <laughs> whatever. And eventually Elijah comes and he not only... Uh, prays, but he covers the sacrifice with barrels of water and he calls on the name of God and the fire comes down and burns up not just the sacrifice and the wood, but the stones and the soil and licks up the water. God is a fire lighting God. It doesn't matter how far your flame is gone. It doesn't matter how far gone your passion is. God can fill you and light you afresh with a sense of fire and passion on the inside of you. Jesus comes to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so there are a few ways that I've found you can keep your passion alive. Use your spiritual gifts. Um, you know, associate with passionate people. So very, very important that we do that. Return to our first love. Keep that specialness alive and pray for passion. Pray for a, a fresh infilling of the fire, as it were, of the Holy Spirit. There's sure to be other ways, but ask yourself, what ignites your passion? So a very simple message today. If Paul was here, he'd be saying, hey, as you serve the Lord, as you go out into the week, as you're doing good wherever you are and the vocation God has given you, as you serve the Lord, don't lose your fervency, your passion. Keep that fire uh, alight and fueled and burning brightly. You know, we, we can actually do that. Ultimately, it's your responsibility. No one can do it for you, but we can keep our passion alive. So I wonder today, I wonder where your passion level is. If you rated your passion, is it from a one to a 10? Are you full flame and going great? Then this is a message to hopefully encourage you to, to stay there. Or, or maybe, maybe your passion's around the five or six and it's burning, but it's not kind of full flame. Or maybe it's down to one or two and you've had a few hits this year and it's it's kind of almost out or maybe it has gone out. You know, wherever you may be today, God's reaching out. God never kicks us when we're down. He always reaches out his hand to lift us up and to encourage us. And so we have one life to live. You know, you ever been to a, a cemetery? You'll see someone's name with their birth date, their death date, and a little hyphen, a little dash in between. <laughs> That's kind of all you get for your life. And right now we're living in the dash 
But you know what we do in time echoes in eternity. And so life is not a dress rehearsal. It's not a practice run. You get one life to live. We're living in that dash. And so don't only serve the Lord, but live with passion. Let me pray with you as we wrap up our message today. Dear God, thank you for everyone listening to the message today. Thank you for Paul, who's encouraging us not just to serve others with our gifts, but to do so with a passion, a zeal and enthusiasm. Well, we realize that that passion is vulnerable and it can come under threat from things like complacency and difficulties and unbalanced lifestyle and familiarity. And so we pray we'd be on guard against those things today. And I pray that as we use our gifts, as we hang around, hang around with passionate people, as we keep our first love, and as we pray that you would help us to be people who are not only serving and making a difference in the world, but people filled with your passion, with your zeal, and your enthusiasm so that we could live meaningful lives. I ask this today, pray a blessing on everyone watching. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you. Always enjoy sharing with you. Stay well, stay safe. See you next time. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au.